Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. We are a church with a heart for people and the message of Jesus. It is our desire that you'll be drawn closer to God through today's teaching. To access notes from today's message, go to foxriverchristian.org slash message. Thanks for listening. Hey, can you join me just thanking God for what he's doing through my gift for Jesus? It's great to hear firsthand some of the things that are taking place there. My wife, Lee, and I have sponsored for several years and will continue to sponsor children in Kenya as well as um, give towards the medical clinic in Nicaragua. And I want to encourage you to as well. You know, just stop by the booth afterwards and you can pick up a, a a picture of a child that you can personalize in that way as well. This is Annette, and just to be able to, again, support and know that God is doing a great work and making a difference in their lives is something that will make, I think, your Christmas even more sweeter this year with my gift for Jesus. Can you believe Christmas is coming? You can feel the anticipation, right? This is the week. Can you believe it? Anybody else in denial? Like, where in the world did the time from March until December go, right? Why would that be? Who knows? You know, with that, we understand that it's so important for us to talk about what we've been talking about these last few weeks. And that is essential Christmas, because Christmas is different this year. It is. And we need to keep our eyes and our focus on what is essential. So I began to think back to when I learned that value of what is essential and what is not. And there's several times throughout my life, but I remember one of them standing in the middle of a bunkhouse, believe it or not, after we'd got a good night's rest or semi-good night's rest. Me, another adult, and six teenage boys. We're going on a fishing trip, and we had hired an outfitter to make sure that we had everything we needed to go. And so we had these big duffel bags strewn throughout the floor, and we began to pack them. And we would pack them according to the list that the outfitter had given us. And so there were the obvious things like fishing poles, right? We were taking a canoe. We obviously didn't fit that into the pack, but we had to fit a tent in the pack, several tents actually. We had to bring food. We had to bring toiletries and a few things to help us cook while we we're out in the wild. They were very essential. But the small portable TV, not so essential. So as we would go and we would at times ask the outfitter, can this go? He would simply say, is it on the list? If it is not, do not bring it. You will understand later. It's like, okay, we'll take him at his word. We began the trip. It was beautiful. I mean, the water is crystal clear. It's the boundary waters of southern Canada. It was great fishing. And it was like, this is the life. This is so simple. I wonder what that guy was talking about. Soon came to the point of understanding that the outfitter had told us about. Our first portage. Think of portage as a hike. And this one was a two-mile hike. And you weren't leaving the stuff that you brought behind. And so some were carrying these oversized duffel bags, and others, if you were not carrying an oversized duffel bag, you were carrying a canoe by yourself. And we had one beast of a guy on the team, it was not me, and he carried both a pack and a canoe for a little while at least. That's when I realized the difference between essential and non-essential. Essential simply being that which was needed, only that which is needed. 
And that's why we're talking about essential Christmas, because we can get distracted by several other things in life, and we have to be very careful. And the way we're doing this is we're learning about different pieces of Christmas by looking at the people who are at the first nativity. And so during the first week, we learned that worship is essential. It is. Not just at Christmas time, but all throughout the years. We're going to see with all of these. And the wise men, or, or known as the magi, they're the ones that were at the nativity that showed us what true worship is like, worshiping their king. And then we learned about witness and how essential witness needs to be a part of our lives. As the angels shared with the shepherds, the shepherds witnessed the birth of Jesus and shared that witness to others as well. And today we're going to talk about the essential of God's working. And there's two people that at least one of them, you're going to say, they were very, very essential, and it's not Jesus. We're going to hold him off until Christmas, okay? But you probably know at least one of them that I'm talking about, right? Who do we still have left here? Well, one of them is this young lady right here. I'm going to say, yep, I can see Mary was very essential to Christmas. Okay, very essential, all right? But she had this guy with her, this guy, Joseph. Should we take a vote? How many think, I'm not sure he's so essential. I mean, this is God's son, right? What do you need Joseph for? It's tempting to think that way, but honestly, we do need Joseph. Because both Mary and Joseph are going to show us what it's like to have God work with you, to work in you. And like I said, it's very tempting, though, to think of that first Christmas as God's working, and then all of a sudden it just stopped when it came to Christmas. You know, he did all he needed to do, and then he kind of let it run its course. And it's very tempting to wonder, is God still working? Because maybe he doesn't quite work exactly the same way he did on that day and preceding it. Maybe. But there are some great similarities, so to how he worked back then and how he works today. And I don't want you to be lulled into that thought of God's not working, at least not in my life, because he is. And we need to see him work. And we're going to look at how he worked then as well as how he works today. And we're going to see the similarities between those. And that you would anticipate, and part of the anticipation of Christmas is the essential that God is working still. Don't raise your hand on this, but are you wondering what in the world is God doing these days? Or is he working enough? Is he working overtime or not? And it's very easy to fall into that mindset. So the precursor to the special day has a major part of God's working. I want to look at both those. We'll start with Mary. I want you to take your Bible, if you wouldn't, turn to Luke chapter 1. We're going to find the pre-working of God here before Christmas Day in Luke chapter 1. Luke is one of the four Gospels, so it's pretty easy to find. If you can find the New Testament, you'll find the first Gospel, Matthew, followed by Mark, and then you'll end up at Luke. If you get to John, you've gone too far. So Luke chapter 1, and I just want to read a portion of this. And I want to take us down to verse number 26 in Luke 1. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Elizabeth was a, a relative of Mary, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, 
a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. That's going to be very important, right? You have an angel showing up to you. You better hope that it's from God. And so he wanted to reassure her that it was, that he was, and that God's with her, and that's why he's there. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Again, another very important phrase there. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. That's an amazing piece, isn't it there? Amazing message even of what's happening here. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the most high will overshadow you So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Wow. No denial, that's a God working there, right? It has happened no other time in human history. None other time. That was a definite wow moment. As the angel explains what's going to happen to Mary, had to be a very scary moment as well. But you know what? As it mentioned here, Mary had a fiancé. And to leave him in the dark would have been cruel, wouldn't it? And you know what it also would have done? It would have ended the relationship. And so he needed some news himself. And so we find that in the book of Matthew. So if you just go over to that first book that I mentioned of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1, we get to see that God doesn't just leave Mary to tell Joseph she's going to have a baby. After all, it was going to become obvious at some point here, right? I'm sure I would not want to have been in that conversation. Hmm, that would have been pretty tough. I mean, it would have been tough to say even, hey, I'm having a baby and it's not yours, but it would be even tougher to say, and I know this is going to be a little stretch for you, but guess what? It's God's baby. That would have been hard. So thankfully, God's not a cruel God, and so he sends Gabriel again, this time to talk with Joseph. But it was after he knew that Mary was pregnant. So let's look at it. Matthew chapter 1, let's go to verse number 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, notice when it said here, said, after he had considered this, that's when the angel comes. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Why? It's going to be a very important piece here. Because he will save his people from their sins. We see the working of God here, the hand of God, in order for that first Christmas to take place. But do you realize, God can work and does work despite us, but it is much better 
when he works with us. When we are in cooperation with what he's trying to do in our lives and in the world around us. And so we need to figure out what is that working and how? How do I do what God wants me to do? Well, I want to look at really just three qualities that are necessary for God's working that we saw not only in Joseph and Mary, just two, two people, but in others at that time, but most of all in your life, because it's going to be the same way that he's going to work in your life too. The first of those qualities is simply this, is that we listen. Seems like a novel concept, doesn't it there? We listen. Mary and Joseph heard from God through the angel Gabriel. That's how they heard. I don't know about you, but sometimes I think, God, could you just talk to me like that? Because sometimes when you say stuff, I'm not sure that I hear right. But you see, God's primary way of speaking, even back then, was not through the angels. That was definitely a supernatural moment, for sure. God's primary working for us is much easier, actually, on our part, should be. And he works primarily, I'm going to give two ways. They're not the only ways. But primarily through his word, the Bible, and through the Holy Spirit, someone that he sent to us to dwell in every believer so that we could understand what God is saying. Those are the two primary ways, not the only ways. You may say, what does that look like? Well, the book of Psalm actually gives us a description of what this looks like. In Psalm 119, a great man of God named David, he wrote this passage here. In Psalm 119, in verse number 105, when he said this, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. God gave us his word to guide us, to help us, to be able to hear from him. So what does that look like today? Because again, sometimes we wonder, am I hearing from God? Am I hearing right? So let me just practically just share with you how it worked for me this last week. You know what? As a discipline, and I try to do this regularly, meaning every day, I choose a passage of Scripture. Right now, I happen to be in the book of Romans. And as I was reading Romans, God spoke to me and shared with me something very, very important. He basically said this. He said, even though everything else around you seems against you, I am for you. How many else would like to hear that from God right now in the circumstances you are in? Yeah, that's awesome, isn't it? I needed to hear that. And he went on and explained how that was true even. So he didn't just leave it at, Rob, I want you to know that no matter what else is going on in your life, I am here for you. He went on to show me how that is. And the way he did that was because I read in Romans chapter 8 this past week. And in Romans 8 is where I found a passage. Two verses. In verse number 31 and 32. He says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Do you hear what he said? 
He said, I am for you, and I've proven it out, and Christmas is the proof of that. Because I was willing to give my son up. Do you realize? Sometimes we jump ahead to Easter, but the beginning of that giving him up was actually when he became a baby and came to this earth. That's when he gave him up for us, when that all started. And so God was reassuring me that I have your back. I'm here with you. And you need to know that, that no matter what else is going on all around you in this world, right here and right now today, that I am for you. And if I'm for you, no one can stand. No one can stand. It's like, thank you, God. Thank you for that reminder. Well, how do we do that? You know what? We just simply got to read. Listen. So let me encourage you to take a Bible and to read it so that God will speak to you through that. Maybe you've never done it before. We've given some helps with that, and I hope that you'll start there, in fact. We've got our Advent devotionals that we're doing right now. They're just two-minute clips is what they are of God's word and for Christmas here, a song as well. And we're going to continue those devotionals on also. But to go and, and subscribe to the YouTube channel, you'll be able to do that. Beyond that, even you hear us talk about, you know what, take your phone, if you have a smartphone, and do this right now, okay? That, that's fine. Take your smartphone and go to your app store and download, search and download what's called the Version Bible app. And you'll have the Bible right on your phone. You know what I found? When I'm sitting in an appointment and somebody's running late, I can easily reach into my pocket and pull out my phone. And yes, I can surf the internet, or I can go to the YouVersion Bible app and have God talk to me. You're like, he doesn't talk. He does. You know what else I learned? It's actually Pastor Guy who helped me with this. You ever had that strong desire, God, if I could just hear from you out loud audibly? YouVersion's got you covered. You know why? Because at the bottom of each page, they have a play button. And if you push that, guess what you get to hear? You get to hear God audibly. Audibly. Isn't that novel? Isn't that cool? Okay, seriously, though. Why is this so important? Because we're not going to hear from God if we're not in his word. If we're not opening up his word, I can't say never. It's not like you have to have your Bible open right now to have God speak to you but it's going to be very limited, very limited. The second one that I mentioned is the Holy Spirit, because we can't leave him out. That is one of the coolest things that Jesus told us, is that he left the Holy Spirit behind as he left this earth. He did, because we needed somebody. And he gives the Holy Spirit a very important job, and that is so that we can hear from God. In John chapter 14, verse number 26, it gives us description of the Holy Spirit. It tells us this, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Whoa! Let me ask you this question. Have you ever needed reminding of what God has already said? How many say, yep, that's me? I've needed a reminder every once in a while. 
I need it every single day of my life. And the sad thing is it's on one of the most important things he ever said. When Jesus was asked what's the greatest commandment, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then he slipped this other part in that I need reminded of every single day. And the other part was this. And the second one is like it. He said, love your neighbor as much as you love who? Anybody know? Yourself. Some of you are like, Pastor Rob, I don't want that reminder. Neither do I. But I need it like every day, multiple times a day. Because see, neighbor isn't my physical neighbor only. I need to be reminded that my coworkers are worth loving. I need to be reminded that all my family members at all times are worth loving. I need to be reminded that that physical neighbor who lives beside me when they burn their leaves during the day when I'm trying to do something outside, that I need to love them. And then expand that, right? Because neighbor's not just our physical neighbor. It reaches all the way around the world. And so what happens is this. Even when I don't have my Bible open, guess who comes knocking? The Holy Spirit called a prompting. He prompts me. He nudges me. He tells me. And that's God. That's God speaking to me, saying, I want, I just, I need to remind you of something, something very, very important, okay? And sometimes I want to just say, get lost, all right? I don't want to hear that right now. And he keeps it up. And he keeps bringing it. And it's so important that we have the Holy Spirit prompting us and showing us what God wants us to do. So let me ask you, when was the last time that you heard from God? When was it? What did he say? What did he say? What's he trying to do in your life? How will you intentionally listen to God this Christmas? How will you do that? How will you hear from him? It's important for us, and we need to listen. A second quality, though necessary for God's working, is attached to that. Because when God speaks, it's not always easy, is it? And so we need to trust. When God speaks, we need to trust. So first of all, we need to listen, but then we need to trust and when it comes to God's working in us, the reason we need to trust is, have you ever noticed that sometimes, sometimes God is doing something that we can only imagine, and sometimes something that we can only hope for? Does that sound vaguely familiar? What that's called is faith, which is the same as trust. And so the reason we need to trust is because God is doing something that goes beyond our experiences, and I don't know about you, but it's really hard to trust when somebody goes beyond your experiences, doesn't it? Can you imagine being Mary? Can you imagine, as we did just a little while ago, just a little bit of that? Can you imagine having a baby and trying to convince everyone around you that you're still a virgin? 
Let me just ask you, okay, because I, I don't want to be the only one. Is anybody else going to believe that? I, I'm sorry, I can't believe that. It's going to take a whole lot of trust. And so when God's saying to you, no, this is true, and, and you get to the point of, okay, I'm listening, I, I'm trusting, now can you help me with all these other people that think I'm nuts right now? And not only think I'm nuts, but they're judging me right now. That would be hard, wouldn't it? Now put yourself on the other side. Guys, your sweetheart comes to you, and you've never been together with her intimately, and she says, I just need you to know I'm going to have a baby. Anybody going to have some trust issues at that point? And when she says to you, not only going to have a baby, but... That it's, it's God's baby. No, no, trust me, it's God's baby. You gonna struggle with that a little bit? Why? Because God's going beyond. I mean, we're, we're talking, we're talking, I don't even know how far beyond, right? I don't even have a word for how far beyond that is. That is just like, there's no way that doesn't ever happen. And so, are you going to trust or are you just going to go by what you can get your mind around and that's it? And say, I saw God work. Yeah, he did exactly what I thought that he should. God did exactly what I thought he was capable of. Is that really the God that you want? Only the God that can do what you could ever imagine. Only a God who could do what you've already seen done before. Is that really the God that you want to trust? No. We want a God who can actually help us to be able to not necessarily understand it all, but to be able to trust. Sometimes it's tempting to think trust is not having any questions. It's not true. It's not having all your questions erased. You can still have questions in trust. In fact, if you don't have questions I kind of wonder if you're really trusting. And you say, well, how can you do that? Well, did you catch the last part of that passage in Luke, chapter 1? It's Mary. After he tells her you're going to have a baby, she just simply has this just totally off-the-wall question. I mean, who could have ever thought that she would ask a question like this? How will this be since I'm a virgin? Anybody else looking at that saying, wow, that's the stupidest question anyone could have ever asked. I can't believe they would ask that. No. It was a perfectly legitimate and honest question that needed to be asked. And then it was given an explanation. Because of that explanation, God was able to do above and beyond what anyone could have ever imagined. And so God wants to do the same for us. Because trust isn't the absence of questions. So, do you realize it takes trust to believe that God will help your family member come to find Jesus Christ? It's going to take trust, isn't it? It takes trust to believe that God will give grace in the midst of a tragedy, in the midst of pain and hardship and heartache. That takes a lot of trust. 
It takes trust to believe that God can restore a broken relationship. Maybe that's happened as a result of being in the times we are in. Maybe it was accelerated and accentuated because of the times we're in. Now that son or daughter who never saw you before has a reason to never see you again, but that's not the real reason. The real reason is because possibly the, the relationship has been volatile. It takes trust to believe that it can be restored, doesn't it? Do you know how much trust it takes to believe that God sent his son Jesus at Christmas so that he could grow up to go to the cross to die on it? And that in dying on that cross, that that gave us the gift of salvation because that's how he forgave our sins. Does that take any trust at all? Even a little bit? It takes a lot. Holy Spirit may be knocking on that door in you right now because you've never received it. Keep listening. Keep listening to what he says because God wants us to hear and then he wants us to trust and then he wants us to do probably what's one of the hardest of all. We need to act upon what he said to us. We need to act. That's what Joseph and Mary did. Mary had this response after she had her question answered, we see in Luke chapter 1, maybe there's more to the conversation than, than what we have recorded here, but this is just enough, isn't it? Even in of itself. After he'd explained to her what was going to happen, we see in Luke 1, verse number 38, her response. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered, May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. She's basically saying, if that is what God wants of me, that's what I will do. I will carry this baby that he has given to me. I will. That was her response. Joseph's response, very similar. God had asked him to stay in the relationship, and he did tells us that he took Mary to be his wife. It says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. He embraced God's working, and he acted upon it. That's what he did. It says, he and Mary named him Jesus. That's so important. Here's why. Because years before this, hundreds of years few thousand years, actually. It was told that a virgin would have a baby. Mary's that virgin. It says back then they would call him Emmanuel, meaning God with us. You may have heard that term before. And they would name him Jesus. You know what Jesus means? Rescuer. Because he will save his people from their sins. So the question is still, for us as well. Do we want to see God work? Then we'll need to act as well. What does that action look like? It looks multiple different ways because God's working is going to be in multiple different ways. Mary brought Jesus into this world and we get to take his message to the world. And that is one of the greatest ways that you'll ever see God work in your life. And I hope you'll ask him to do that 
specifically this Christmas, but well beyond this Christmas? Would you allow God to work in you and most of all through you to carry the message of Jesus to someone who needs to see God working in their life right now? Because just as much, if not more, that you feel the need to see God work, someone who does not know God yet needs to see that even more. And you could be the one to help them do that. There's many ways to do that. Don't let the name of Jesus go unspoken this Christmas. Don't, don't, don't. If it means opening up the Bible and reading the Christmas story with your family on Christmas Day, then do it. You want an easy way? This is a softball, okay? I'll give you a softball. Invite someone to Christmas Eve services because guess what we're going to talk about on Christmas Eve? We gave you a little bit of a hint. We're going to talk about Jesus. And so just in that invitation, if you're going to be here physically at Waukesha, at Muskego, at Waterford, we've got multiple services at each of those campuses, every one of them, with opportunity after opportunity. And so invite someone else to come and join you at the service that you're going to be at and then sit back because you're going to have a front row seat and you're going to get to see God work because the message of Jesus is going to be shared. If you're going to be with us online, you might think, well, I can't invite somebody online. Yes, you can. Pick a time that you're going to be at an online service and message your friends and tell them I'm going to be there. And when they show up, chat with them. Say hello, do whatever it takes to let them know that they're welcome and to open the door for the message of Jesus to be spoken. And let's see God work in and through each individual that he chooses to. So this is basically what I'm saying. This is what I want for you. I want you to know this. First and foremost, God is still working. John 5, 17 tells us that. I want you to take it beyond knowing. This is what I want you to feel. I want you to feel the joy of having God work with you. And then this is what I want you to do. I want you to invite someone else. I want you to invite someone else so they can hear the message of Jesus and see God working in them. You may be here with us even right now. One of our campuses are online. And you may have this prompting taking place because you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. Do you know who's talking? That's God talking. And he's using the Holy Spirit to prompt you that you need to receive the gift of salvation. And if you've never received that gift of salvation, that's what Christmas is all about the greatest gift of all, God sending his son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins. And so in a moment, I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna ask if the Holy Spirit's prompting you right now that you would trust Jesus Christ as your savior and you'd receive that gift of salvation. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you. We thank you for working in us, yes, today. God, I pray that you'd help us to see that working, that we would listen, that we would trust, that we would act. And if you're here today right now and you're ready to place your trust in Jesus, 
Would you let God know that? Would you ask him for that gift of salvation? He already paid for it. He already sent his son. Just reach out to him right now. Maybe pray something like this. Dear God, I'm trusting, even though I can't understand it all, I am trusting that you sent your son Jesus to die for me, to pay for my sins, so that I could have a relationship with you. And I'm receiving that gift right here and right now by trusting, by placing my faith in you and your son, Jesus Christ. We pray these things in Christ's name. And all God's people said, amen. We hope you were encouraged today. Subscribe to the Fox River Podcast to ensure you don't miss future messages. Stay connected through our social media channels on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, make a difference in the lives of those you know by sharing with them. We are grateful for you and hope you join us again soon.